0: You're listening to Leah and Alana watch The X-Files. Leah's seen it. Alana hasn't. I'm Leah. I'm Alana. Well, welcome to the 12th episode. Um, It's called Aubrey, and it's pretty fucking intense.
1: It is pretty intense. And it's called Aubrey... Because of the city that it's in, not Mm -hmm. because of any of the characters, which is surprising.
0: I definitely thought that it was going to be the woman um, that this episode is about, but it is not. Her name is BJ, and the town's name is Aubrey. Yeah, it would have made sense if
1: Aubrey was her name, but that's not what they decided to do. I do want to say at the top of this episode, especially because I think it was last week we talked about... You know, are there women writers on The X-Files? Well, this episode, Aubrey, was written by a woman. Her name is Sarah B. Charno. And this was her first contribution to The X-Files. So this was the first time that she wrote an episode. And it was, like, reviewed and edited by, it seems like, from what I could find, all male writers that, like, contributed to, to it after she wrote the first draft. But... This episode was written by a woman, and I think that's interesting to think about.
0: It is interesting to think about, and I'm not going to do this research because I like my claim that um, there are no women in the writer's room of this show up until right now. But you know, maybe this is the first time a woman wrote an episode, I, you know, I don't know, but um, I know I could find out, and I'm not going to. I'm going to live in ignorance.
1: Yeah, we could definitely do a research here, but we're just choosing not to. Beyond this episode, beyond what Sarah wrote,
0: it's just that it like is- I don't want to be disappointed, you know, in the women if they contributed yeah. to a, a, a poor episode.
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah. I don't think that it's likely that there were a lot of female writers regardless. And since this was Sarah's first contribution, it's not like she was, you know, writing episodes before this, which isn't to say there aren't other female writers. But uh, I think that this one felt more like it had a female perspective than a lot of the episodes do.
0: I think you're right. And I do, and I think, I feel like that was evident in that, like, BJ was a pretty complex and, like, dynamic female character, which is not common.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she definitely was. And there were kind of some interpersonal dramas going on within the episode, and Scully even says, at least once, if not several times, when she picks up on something that's going on with BJ, she's like, a, a, a woman knows these types of things um, because Mulder doesn't pick up on it. Yeah. Which is interesting.
0: It's interesting. And I think it's mostly just that, like, it's like a nice way of saying that, like, men are unaware or <laughs> not paying attention. <laughs> yeah. <definitely. laughs> like,
1: definitely i just think it makes sense that a woman would write that and kind of call out a guy not paying attention Mm -hmm.
0: she's like listen i'm just trying to apologize for what's happened on the rest of the series and like now i'm in charge and a woman just knows these things okay so
1: but since we already talked about bj's name there is a part where when Mulder is explaining this case to scully he says some weird things about her that kind of made me uh do a little head turn because first he introduces her by saying a body was found by a police officer named bj and then he specifically says that's a woman um like you know like he has to call out like it's weird that a police officer is a woman um and that she's who found the body but then right after that he says As, like, a joking reason why he wants to investigate the case. I've always been intrigued by women named BJ.
0: He does say that. And while I was watching it, I went... (sighs) (laughs) That's the sound that that came out of my mouth. Um, Because it was just, like... Older. Can you just shut the fuck up? (laughs) Sometimes.
1: I don't like this version of Mulder all that much. I mean, I don't hate him. I just think that there are sometimes when he makes dirty jokes that are kind of like funny or like, you know, aimed at himself. I don't really like when he makes them in a way that's, you know, objectifying women.
0: Yeah, and I think that that is completely fair. Um and, you know, they should avoid them at all costs, but I don't think that um that we're in the clear entirely. <laughs> I did no. appreciate, at least with this, that we got to see... Scully didn't say anything, but she did, like, roll her eyes and kind of scoff, which, you know, felt like some, some solidarity with my own scoff, but...
1: Yeah, it's also not a great joke to make to your female coworker.
0: No, and it's like, you know, is Mulder just like, oh... I just think he doesn't care or like doesn't can I think sometimes he just doesn't consider the fact that Scully is a woman like he just like doesn't think through his thoughts enough to be like oh she probably wouldn't think that this is funny or she wouldn't appreciate this or she might be offended by this he's just like I had a thought and I think it's funny yeah so it comes out of my mouth
1: yeah I get that vibe
0: and Scully just has to put up with it. And I think that she should probably shut him down a little, but she has a crush on him too, clearly. So it's like, we've all been there. It's just
1: like, I, we shouldn't spend that much time talking about it, but
0: Mulder <laughs> when he says,
1: I've always been intrigued by women named BJ as if BJ is a common name, which I don't think that it is, especially for women.
0: It's, I don't think so either. Um, I mean, maybe there was, like, a lot of women in the 90s going by BJ, and now they've, like, changed it, but, uh, you know, we can't explain Mulder's behavior or his comments, and that's, that's clear. So true. He's met, like, one other woman named BJ, Um, And by met, I mean saw in a porn. And so now he's intrigued by them. So this episode was like, like I said, pretty intense. Pretty, it was like, I don't even want to say complicated, but like kind of complicated, but in a way that like wasn't complicated compared to past episodes, I thought.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I think... I think as always they kind of made things a bit more complicated than they needed to be. However, it was definitely not as convoluted as the past few episodes that we watched.
0: Yeah. They they streamlined things a little bit.
1: Yeah. They they took out maybe about three or four competing elements that, <laughs> you know, were in the past episodes.
0: Yeah. This uh this script got some tough edits compared to the compared to the last ones, where just anything was allowed to say. They were like, anything goes, if anyone has any ideas, we're actually looking for more.
1: So this whole episode is kind of centered around the idea that BJ finds out that she is pregnant at the start of the episode, and then starts having dreams, or premonitions, or flashbacks to a murder that happened in the 1940s and those murders overlap with murders that are happening in current times so that's kind of like the main plot of the episode another element is that bj (laughs) is having an affair with her co-worker i think her boss um at the police station And the way that she tells him she's pregnant is that she goes into his office. He's kind of ignoring her, brushing her off. I believe that he's married. So she's, you know, it's like a full on affair. But he's not paying attention to her. So he's on the phone and she just writes on a piece of paper, I'm pregnant and passes it to him.
0: Um yeah she sure does she's like fuck you i'm not waiting for you to get off the phone and you're being a dick right now and i'm fucking pregnant so you need to- <laughs> you need to pay attention um because i think you are right i do think he is married and clearly um no one knows that they're sleeping together and they should not be for work reasons and for other reasons and um therefore her, her pregnancy is a bit complicated so, yeah, she's going to write it on a piece of paper and, and slide it to him across the desk.
1: <laughs> and then he gives her, I think it's an address for a place to go so that they can meet up and talk. And she's like, what is this, a motel? And he's like, it's just a place we can talk. And then the next scene is her going to it. And it is indeed a motel.
0: Yeah, it is indeed. And But it's also like, why is she, like... Why is she so offended that it might be a motel when, like, they are literally having an affair and, like, of course need to talk somewhere that's not at work?
1: Yeah, I think it's probably just a general uh, annoyance that she's treated in that way. Like, the best that he can give her is a motel. Mm -hmm. And, yes, they're having an affair, but I'm sure... That idea that she's, you know, to the side of everything in his life is something that bothers her. Even though it's something she's kind of participating in and being complicit in, um, I'm sure that it's annoying to her.
0: Yeah, I mean, that is fair. It, it, It would be annoying.
1: I don't know, however, why they couldn't go to her house.
0: You know... I don't know either, aside from well, and not not. I guess I wondered, like when they were having an affair, where were they sleeping together? Was it motels? Was it at her place? Was it like he can't be seen going to her house and that's why he can't talk to her there? like what is what what's the dynamic? what <laughs> what's the norm?
1: Yeah, I guess that's probably it. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's a huge town, so maybe he can't be seen going to her place. Her kind of immediate, like, is this the address for a motel tells me that they've probably gone to motels before.
0: hmm Yeah. Well, boy, I was going to say something else, and then I was like, so much just happens in this episode. It's like... The pregnancy, I don't want to say it's insignificant, but there's just so much more.
1: There is. And by the end of it, it's kind of unclear how much the pregnancy is actually affecting things. Like, we just literally
0: don't know
1: how it caused what happened to happen or if it had any effect.
0: Right. Like, they kind of set it up where it might. And even by the end, you're like... Well, maybe, but also maybe not. So, yeah. in classic X-Files fashion, w- we have inconclusive results.
1: <laughs> As always. Um, the guy who plays the guy that she's having an affair with, I recognized... Uh, well, I know him from the TV show Lost. He played John Locke. But when I was looking this episode up, it looks like... He is actually known for being in a bunch of television shows or productions from the production company that produced The Mm. X-Files. They, like, nicknamed him. I think the production company is called, like, 1023 or something. And that became his nickname because he was basically in everything that they produced.
0: (sighs) That's interesting. Good for him. He has the look where I'm like, this guy could be in any show.
1: Yeah, I agree. And he is a good actor, I think. I mean, I I watched Lost. I don't know how much else I've seen him in. So I, I think he is a good actor. He doesn't do that much in this episode.
0: Um, No, no, not really. He's just like, he's not really a jerk, but like he kind of is at times. And he's just kind of there a lot of the time. And BJ's always like, I have to go. <laughs> it's like 90 percent of it
1: <laughs> yeah i think he is a jerk he could definitely be worse yeah he's not like so bad that i spent the whole episode being like wow i hate that guy but he's not great either
0: that's a i i agree with with that assessment of of this man's character
1: There was a brief moment where I thought he was going to be responsible for the murders, but that did not end up happening.
0: That's interesting. What moment was that?
1: Well, um, when we find out that the original killer from the original case had a grandchild, I thought that guy was going to be the grandchild. And I thought that BJ was having these premonitions because she was pregnant with his child. And it's like, kind of like having his genetics then like in her body in some way was giving her the premonitions.
0: I see. You were really thinking.
1: I was, I was prepared for every possible twist and turn.
0: Yeah. You were like, they're going to make this more complicated than they need to. I bet it's this. (laughs) Yeah. And they were like, no, we tricked you, Milana. We gave you a bunch of fucking confusing episodes. And in this one, it's actually the first thing you would have thought. Yeah. You didn't need to think so hard.
1: I have a question. This isn't really a question. It's more of an observation. I just want to say that at the beginning of the episode, when BJ has her first vision of the past Mm -hmm. murder, and she ends up in a field digging up, Uh, the body of the detective who was murdered in the 1940s who's out in the field and she's confused and she's like yelling. And there's also like a bright white light that seems to be coming from the sky. I thought, and it looked like a, like a alien, like UFO light, I think it was actually probably her car headlights now that I'm thinking yeah. about it mm-hmm. but it looked distinctly like it was coming from the sky.
0: Yeah, I thought the same thing and at that moment I was like I don't think there's like aliens in this episode but it really seems like they're trying to tell us that that there is. Um but I think you're probably right that it was car headlights because that's kind of the only thing it could be but it was it was I think, a poor choice of um, lighting for a show that is about aliens. <laughs>
1: Agreed. It definitely looked like an alien light.
0: They're they're you know, average viewer is going to assume that they're implying that there's aliens here. But, um, I mean, not.
1: maybe they were. Maybe they did it intentionally, again, to confuse us and to be like, we're going to make these people think this episode is about aliens and it's not going to be...
0: That's that possible. Seems like
1: something they would
0: do. I could see that shot being used like in a in a trailer for the episode before it came out, you know, a little teaser. And it's like, oh, ooh, aliens are here. There's a woman in a field and a bright light, but nope. We tricked ya. <laughs> so an interesting thing about the case from the 40s and the current murders that are going on is that the um, serial killer would carve sister or in one case of the body she found brother into their chest and then like splattered the walls with their blood and and write the same thing Um, which is just fucking scary (laughs)
1: It is scary and disturbing, and I thought, again, thinking through every possible scenario this episode might turn out, when it just told us that the guy would repeatedly carve the word sister into bodies, and maybe because I was still thinking that light from the beginning of the episode could have been an alien, Mm
0: -hmm. I thought
1: this could possibly, maybe, somehow tie in to Mulder's sister.
0: <laughs> you were thinking so hard while watching this episode. Oh, man. I mean, you've just got to, like, sit back and, like, let it happen to you one of these days. Just, like, stop trying to figure it out. Don't think and just, like, and, and, and just experience it.
1: <laughs> I don't think I can. I think... <laughs> If I did that and then I came on the episode to talk about it, I don't know what my thoughts would be.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, you'd be like, "You guys have nothing to say on this one."
1: I watched it. I turned it off when it ended, and that's all the feelings I have.
0: You can like think it through when it's over, but like you know, your your brain is working so hard to figure it out, and like they're gonna tell you within forty five (laughs) minutes.
1: Sure. I just want to be able to see the connections. I just want to know that I figured them out. But I don't think I have ever accurately guessed what was going to happen on this show.
0: You know, there was one where you knew just moments before they said it that it was twins. yeah.
1: That's true.
0: I can't think of the name of the episode, but with the janitor at the jet lab...
1: Yeah, the second before they said second. the sentence, I said the sentence to myself.
0: But, you know, your hard your hard work and your, all your thinking paid off in that moment. And, and you had enough reinforcement to continue that behavior well into the second season.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say that I knew who the killer was in this episode before they told me. But it was after I went down several wrong
0: thoughts. Sure. You know, you have to you have to eliminate in order to get the answer sometimes. So, so that's okay. Yeah.
1: Exactly. That's what good investigators do. Mulder will tell you that.
0: <laughs> you know, when you said that my instinct was to be like, you know, Scully's really the better investigator. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's not true. Mulder goes on hunches that come out of nowhere and that he has no explanation for and they turn out to be right. And I feel like that is what is happening to me, except for the part where they turn out to be right.
0: Well, as we've said before, there's, you know, there are times when Mulder's wrong. Um, But you saying that reminded me of a scene in their driving and Scully's talking about how maybe due to some unconscious thing, this woman just like had a hunch about something, something, something. And, um... Tried to say, you know, that, like, that that's what Mulder's like. And Mulder was like, I, I never have hunches. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, yeah. no.
1: <laughs> that scene was cute. I liked that. It's
0: pretty sweet. And yet, like, I, I thought it was just, you know, the rest of this episode is Mulder just acting on, on insane hunches. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, in the very first time that they talk to bj and they're starting to investigate this he literally just out of nowhere says have you ever had premonitions or visions or dreams before when everything that she has told him would not speak to that being an option like when he says it it truly comes out of nowhere
0: it does come out of nowhere but i guess it's just that like Mulder is trying to understand the facts of what happened and how she got to this field in general. And, like, her story is just not adding up. And, like, obviously it is random and it is a hunch for that to be what he thinks is happening. But, like, you know, basically he just knows that something weird is happening because she's not telling the truth about why she was here. And, like, his instinct isn't that she killed this man who, you know, they later kind of find out was murdered in the 40s but he does have I mean yes it's a hunch I'm not I so I'm not trying to say it's not a hunch but for some reason to me it didn't seem like too out of the blue because it was like well she wound up in a strange place and is kind of lying about how she got here and so obviously she had a vision
1: sure it just seems like the more logical thing to jump to would be not that she killed this guy because she like probably wasn't even born when he was murdered, but that she knew whoever did it or she Mm -hmm. had information that was given to her by somebody who was involved, which is not something Mulder even, it's not a path he goes down for a second.
0: No. And I will say, you know, they're questioning like, oh, you know, how did she really wind up here? How did... You know, oh, she saw a dog from like you know four hundred yards away digging, and that's how she found this spot and dug up the body. But even like in the vision, how did she know exactly where it was? Like, were there street signs? Was was there a marker? Like how? Like she saw this body in a field and then like went there and dug it up. But like, what?
1: I was kind of under the impression, and it makes sense later in the episode that when she goes to dig up the body she's not necessarily in control of herself like it kind of seemed like something that she Hmm. did while she was overcome by the flashback
0: i guess that does make sense especially with what happens later um but you know i just would have liked that answered earlier that's all i'm saying
1: sure as always
0: as always the exiles isn't giving us the answers we want when we want them
1: So the body that she finds is of a detective who was investigating the murders in the 1940s. And like we already said, those murders were like very specific. It was uh, women being killed and uh, the word sister being carved into them. And what we find out when Mulder and Scully start investigating this in the same police office is that the exact same murder or the the exact same MO of a murder has just recently happened. Somebody in present day was murdered with the word sister carved into them. This scene where Mulder and Scully are like in the police office, like talking about the murder, like looking at the bones, doing stuff on the computer. That's also when Scully tells Mulder that, she basically just knew immediately that BJ was having an affair with this guy who I think his last name is Tillman. Um, And Mulder is again, as we talked about, he's shocked. He's like, what are you, what do you mean? How do you know that? And Skelly's is like, I could just, you know, women can tell these things. And then BJ comes in, talks for a while, leaves, goes to the bathroom because she, I think is having morning sickness. Um And Scully, again, goes to talk to her, just immediately knows she's pregnant. It's like, hey, yeah, you're pregnant.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, m- maybe women know these things, but I think maybe just Scully knows these things. Scully is incredibly perceptive, uh, maybe has, you know, her sister's a psychic. She, she might have, have some... Some of that, even though she denies it most of the time, but she's using it in this episode and she's like, I know exactly what's going on with this woman. And indeed she does. And when she's talking to her about it, she's like, oh, I know it's complicated. Um, You know, I've I've had feelings for for people I've, I've worked with.
1: Yeah, she does say that. And that makes me laugh because obviously there's Mulder who she obviously has feelings for, even though she won't say it. But we also know her to have a history of sleeping with not just her coworkers, but people in a position of authority over her, which is also exactly what BJ is doing.
0: Yeah, that's that's why Scully is so perceptive of what's going on with this woman. And she's like, I've seen you. I've been there.
1: So Scully is talking to BJ in the bathroom. She goes back into the office with Mulder. Immediately, not even a second of a breath in between, she tells Mulder that BJ is pregnant and BJ walks in like a half a second later. So (laughs) Scully basically just ran to Mulder to share this gossiping information before BJ comes back in. Mulder doesn't even have time to comment on it before BJ comes back in. And I just thought it was so funny, but also kind of cute that they're just kind of gossiping together.
0: Yeah, she's just gossiping in that moment. Like, that's all it is. It's not really important information for Mulder to know at this point. I don't think. It doesn't seem like it. And also, yeah, like, that woman (laughs) left the bathroom right behind Scully. And she literally walks in right after. And it's like, Scully, come on. (laughs) She's like, ooh. I won't tell anyone except for Mulder. (laughs) Doesn't count if it's Mulder.
1: There's a point where I think that Mulder and Scully are talking about the possibility of what could be happening here, how BJ knew what she did. Um, and maybe even at this point, BJ has opened up and told them that she's having dreams like nightmares about a woman being killed. And Mulder says something, uh, the line is like dreams are answers to questions we haven't figured out how to ask, which I really liked that. And I like that concept of dreams. I don't think that it's necessarily true of my dreams most of the time, but I wish that it were.
0: I agree. And I think, I think I have had some instances, some dreams where I felt like that was the case um, but not often. <laughs> Same most of the time that is not the case. But there's like a handful of times where I'm like, that was something I was afraid to ask and now I know. Even though do I? I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but you know, I feel satisfied enough with my dream answer.
1: Yeah. I really like when my dreams are like a clear decipherable overlap with something that's going on in my life. Maybe not necessarily about that situation, but like a metaphor for that situation I can easily decipher. It just rarely ever happens.
0: Yeah. Usually it's a bit more complicated. Sometimes to the point where I'm like, I'm not even going to try and break down why that might be connected to what's going on in my life. Cause I just, I don't have the energy.
1: It's too much work. And if your dreams wanted you to know something, they should have made it easier to figure out.
0: That's, you know, that's completely true. <laughs> they um they know for next time now that if I really need to get the message, they'll just fucking come out and say it. Yeah. Instead they're like she's not ready. So just give her a sign she's not really going to think about it. <laughs> that's my dream council in my head that's I imagine there's discussions you know scripts are pitched there's edits it's it's a long process
1: yeah of course that makes a lot of sense
0: I think it might be the same writers as the X-Files being that they're usually (laughs) extremely complicated and convoluted
1: another thing you need to talk to Chris Carter about
0: yeah seriously dude my dreams can you just get to the fucking point (laughs)
1: But that's mostly the question I think that this episode is asking for a long time, or maybe not necessarily asking, but wants us to not know, which is, is she having dreams or premonitions? Is there something else happening here? At one point, she seems very awake and she sees the killer from the 1940s as he looked in the 1940s and and were led to believe that he kind of attacks her and at that point i was like is this a ghost but that doesn't really make sense because that guy is still alive and an old guy now um so it's kind of this question of like what's happening here and it turns out to not be about dreams at all she's not actually having premonitions
0: I guess not really, but she, she yeah, she's having flashbacks, kind of, because it's it's very specifically, you know, this man who she later yeah like identifies um, as Coakley when he tries to kill. Um, I think it's Mrs. Thibodeau is what it seems like the dream is of. Um, And it's like this recurring dream she's having. And I, I at least read it later as like she was having this flashback of that situation. Because in that case, first of all, that's the case he went to prison for. But he did not kill her.
1: I actually don't think that's the dream that she's having. Maybe at some point, but I know that whenever they find the body of the woman who has just been killed in modern times, she says, That's the woman from my dream. Mm. So I think she was having a dream about the present day murder, which isn't actually a dream because what we find out, like the reveal of this episode, is that she is committing the modern day murders. And I think it was her remembering what she did.
0: I guess that's true. The only, I feel like, yeah, maybe the dream is like a couple of things combined or like, because she's seeing this man. And then she also sees the symbol for like the 1939 world fair, which would also be connected to the past murders and not the present ones. So I guess I'm not really sure what the fuck the the dream was. If it was, you know, a remembering, a flashback to a, not her life, a combination of the two, just her subconscious telling her that, like, something fucking trippy is going on. Um, I'm unclear on that, I guess.
1: Yeah. And once again, I think that you're unclear on it because we're not really given complete answers were are given maybe like half answers but it's not really spelled out how everything in this episode happened
0: yeah and like you know i guess i just wish that they had at least s- explained that because they do spend so long at least towards the beginning kind of focusing on the fact that she's having these dreams or premonitions and it, you know, there's a whole scene where she sits down and it tries to explain exactly what it looks like to Mulder and Scully as though it's a, a big clue, and it kind of is. And then they're like, Yeah, well, we're not really going to kind of follow up on that. So just can you forget that you heard about it?
1: <laughs> yeah. I think that my main problem with this episode. Which I, it's not a huge problem. I, I liked this episode and I liked the main conceit of what ends up happening. I just wish they would have spent less time trying to keep it a secret from us so that there was like a big reveal and more time exploring what's actually happening. Because what they tell us is actually happening is that. The original killer from the 1940s uh, raped a woman and left her alive. That woman had the baby. Well, she was pregnant from the rape and had the baby, gave it up for adoption. That baby was BJ's father. And the conclusion that they come to is that BJ is committing these murders, not necessarily consciously, but as like an aspect of genetic memory, basically, what her grandfather did lives inside her body and her body is kind of just on autopilot reenacting it in present day, which I think is really cool and interesting. And I like that concept a lot. I just wish the whole episode could have been about that as opposed to like leading us down other possibilities.
0: Yeah. They seem to like to do the kind of fake out thing in this series clearly But at times, you just got to wish that you're like, okay, this is a cool concept. Why don't you just take the time to explore this? Because if they did that, they could tie in, you know, I'm sure Mulder's seen other cases where this is and, you know, what's going on. And and they could actively explore a theory like this instead of just, like, throwing it in as, um, you know, like, an explanation. Um, to the point where they literally Mulder just kind of like throws out this thing and Scully's kind of like, what? And he's like, Scully, can't you see? And just like, it's like, well, no, you like have, we haven't been talking about this, this whole episode. Like, why would, <laughs> what do you mean? And instead they could have been talking about it the whole episode and it would have been probably pretty interesting, but instead it is, it is just a twist and a cool one, but one that they're not quite giving enough attention to,
1: yeah, whenever Mulder is giving this explanation, he starts talking about how when he was a kid he would wake up to hearing his dad eating sunflower seeds and then he kind of poses the question of do I like sunflower seeds because it's like in my biological nature, um, which I think is what he, I think that's what he is saying is true. I think the other aspect of this is, do I, like, do I like sunflower seeds because I saw my dad eating them all the time and it reminds me of my dad or I started eating them because it was around the house. Like the question really is like nature versus nurture, behavior versus environment. But throughout this episode, they really only give us really the nature side that it's like biological and not there's no kind of argument for it being environmental
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah they do kind of touch on that nature versus nurture argument which was interesting and i think i mean i tend to side with um nurture but that's not to say that i don't believe in this concept of kind of like biological predisposition or like kind of like genetically passed down trauma in this case it's more behavior than trauma but it's probably based in trauma (laughs) um because i think that that definitely is possible and like clearly in this episode this nothing in this woman's like actual life in her experience in her environment has led to her being a murderer other than the fact that her um grandfather was one and she's not even acting as herself she's acting quite literally as him
1: yeah exactly I really like this idea of genetic memory. And I kind of looked it up a little bit to be able to give more information behind it. So like the, the official definition of it is a memory present at birth that exists in the absence of sensory experience, and is incorporated into the genome over long spans of time. So basically, like, things that happen to our ancestors affects them biologically. And then that kind of biological difference is passed to us when we're born. Um, and I also found some information about how uh, they've tested this theory on mice and found out that mice who were trained to fear a specific smell would pass that on to their offspring and, um, And scientists in general believe that this like genetic memory could be linked to phobias, to anxiety, to PTSD and other uh, neurological disorders. And we already know that like substance abuse problems and things like that are genetic and can be passed down. Um, And I just find all of that like super interesting. So I was happy that they mentioned it in this episode.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and thank you for doing that research and providing us with a little background on um, this more so than than Mulder ever could have. <laughs> Much more eloquent. <laughs> He's just like, no, don't yeah. you see?
1: Take that, Mulder.
0: <laughs> sunflower seeds. Doesn't that just explain it all? That's why I like sunflower <laughs> seeds. But I also
1: think that when you look at this episode, and again, I don't think that they really explore this that much and they could have done a better job of it. But when you look at this episode through that lens of generational cycles or generational trauma being passed down, BJ is reenacting the murders of her grandfather, but she goes to his original victim who he left alive and is about to kill him, kill her but decides not to kill her. And in that sense what what it's also presenting is kind of BJ facing this generational trauma that she has and breaking the cycle um, you know like choosing something different than her grandfather did which again something i find very interesting and wish that they would have more explicitly talked
0: about listen they just they didn't have the time alana okay you know they have they had a limit and they decided to spend you know a good half of that exploring something that wasn't even happening because that's just that's just how the x-files worked and i i wish it wasn't (laughs) this is you know i don't want to say this is unrelated because it's what happens in the episode. Um, but it's just not that important. but I just thought it was kind of nice to see Mulder be the one, you know, with his life in, in danger in this episode compared to Scully. Um, you know, I always find it refreshing when when those when those roles are are switched.
1: Yeah, he does uh end up in danger. BJ almost kills him, but doesn't. I don't remember why she doesn't kill him. I mean, I know that Scully and Tillman stop her. But I they, don't remember I'm not they, remembering how they stop her.
0: They just kind of come in and we do see Scully like she's ready to pull the trigger because um BJ has the uh blade like pressed to Mulder's neck was going to stop. And then looks like she was going to keep going. And then Coakley dies and she surrenders. She just like kind of stops and like falls back. And I wasn't sure if that was supposed to be read as like, you know, she, she completed what she needed to complete or that like, because he's dead, his, the trauma of his life is not affecting her as strongly like i wasn't quite i don't think that that's necessarily the case in like the actual studies of how genetic trauma and uh, genetic memory works but it seemed like that's what happened here just because the timing was weird
1: yeah thanks for saying that it's coming back to me now i also had the same thought because he she killed him yeah. um and at first we think like when when we find him we think he's already dead but he actually dies while she's attacking Mulder. And I thought the same thing, which was that it kind of seemed like it was implying that now that he's dead, she's like free of this, which she isn't because we see her in prison and she seems to not be doing well. But, but it does for some reason stop her from killing Mulder. And I'm not sure what they were trying to do with that.
0: Yeah, like she either just is relieved that he's dead or there's like a momentary lapse because clearly she's not throughout this episode she's not operating as Coakley all the time and maybe his dying just gives her like a momentary lapse in that but that's not permanent or maybe it is and when she's in prison she's just dealing with The PTSD that she herself is experiencing from, you know, I'm sure if you kind of came to and realized that you were behaving as a serial killer who was your great-grandfather and now you're in prison for murder, that you might have um, some shit to work through. And it could just be that that's why she's, you know, seems pretty unwell. Um, they do say she tries to self-abort because she's still pregnant, um, uh, which is, you know, concerning. Um, and now she's on suicide watch in, in the psychiatric ward of the prison. So, yeah, it's safe to say she's not doing well. Um, but I, I can't quite pinpoint if that means she is still, like acting as Coakley or like, um, being kind of that strongly influenced by the genetic memory of his life.
1: Yeah. It's another case where the X-Files is kind of like, I feel like they're not fully bought into the, the idea that they're settled on because, Genetic memory has nothing to do with being influenced by an alive person. And we're not led to believe that Coakley is in any way intentionally controlling her. But when she's doing these murders, she is like, she's saying, I'm not BJ. Like she's acting as if she is actually him possessed, Um, which isn't what's happening. He's not possessing her, but they kind of like, it feels like they're playing into that side of things when she stops because he dies. But again, that's not the idea they originally presented. So I just feel like, you know, they take concepts and they play around with them and they make them just slightly more confusing than they need to be.
0: Yeah. I did read that, you know, they wanted to explore the concept of genetic memory in this episode, which they do, and then they were like it also was crossed with wanting to explore, like, having a female serial killer, and I was like okay like, sure but, like, maybe just that doesn't really have to, because even though, like, I guess, yes, we kind of get a female serial serial killer at the end here, like she's also like, I'm not me I'm him so, like, yeah, she's the one doing it, but they're not really exploring the what it would mean for this to just be, like, a woman on her own volition acting as a serial killer. It's, it, it's not even exploring that. So I was like, well, it seems like you guys just wanted to add in more shit, and you <laughs> didn't need to. You could have in, instead, like, not only fully explored this other concept, but, like, maybe more accurately explored it instead of, you know, kind of making up these other um, components that are ultimately just confusing and, and lead to us having all these questions.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it also kind of plays into her pregnancy because we don't know directly how that relates. And Scully kind of offers the idea that BJ started acting out these murders because she was looking for somebody to blame for her pregnancy. And in the original murders that Coakley committed, I think the story was that he had been abused as a kid and was like looking for other people to blame, which is why like he would carve the word like sister or brother into people. Cause he would be like, it's, I'm not to blame, like sisters to blame or, or whatever. So they kind of offer us the idea that maybe the guilt around her pregnancy triggered this, but it's just really unclear if her pregnancy had anything to do with it.
0: Um. Yeah, it is completely unclear. <laughs> and um, I mean, I don't know even if there's a way for us to have gotten an answer. Maybe if she, had gotten an abortion, we'd know. Maybe not. We don't know. Um, I do want to say, in terms of Coakley, and yeah, they, they did kind of offer, you know, perhaps an explanation of him being abused and, you know, having all these sisters, and that's why he committed these murders and carved those things. But I did not like that he called Scully little sister when he talked to her and it was just, it felt like this weird thing where I was like, it obviously I know that the women that he killed were not his sisters, but like, why is everyone sister? Like, what, what's going on there? He didn't call Mulder little brother.
1: <laughs> no, he didn't. But I don't think that he has the same... I think, hang-ups with men that he clearly does with women. He does kill one one guy, the detective, and writes brother on him. But I don't think that's, you know, because of his compulsion to kill. I think he kills the detective because the detective was going to catch him and he needs to kill him. Um, but whenever he's, like, really choosing to kill people, he kills women because he has this hang-up around women. Right.
0: Yeah, you know, I don't know all that much about serial killers, but it—I know, I guess I know a little, but it does make me wonder, like, you know, if he was just killing the detectives because they were, you know, hot on his trail, tail, trail. Um, I don't know which (laughs) which one the phrase is. It almost seems like he shouldn't have or wouldn't have done the same ritual of carving into their bodies. Because he's not killing from, like, the same place. It's not the same compulsion. And, like, also him doing that contributed to them solving this. Or, like, putting things together all this time later. And I just think that was a mistake on his part. And, like perhaps something that doesn't fit in with what I know to be the trope of serial killers, but I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, I think I, I'm forgetting all the different kind of categories of serial killers, but I know that one of them is process killers and that's where the process of what you do to someone while you're killing them is what's important to you. And I think that that's what Coakley would be because he has this process of a very specific way that he's killing someone. He's killing women. He's carving the word sister into them. He's leaving their bodies in like a very specific way. Um, But I think that you're right that like realistically, he probably wouldn't have killed the agent the same way because he doesn't have that compulsion related to him. So for him to carve brother, it's not necessarily realistic, but I was thinking, is it correct that he leaves the women that he kills to be found? Like, I think that most of women that we know about he killed were found, whereas he hid the agent. I think that he intentionally was trying to, like, hide that evidence um, by burying it.
0: Yeah, I think that you're right that he does leave the women to be found. It's like part of the um, part of the ritual. And he yeah, he obviously buries the one detective out in the middle of that field. And then that detective's partner is found later, like buried under a house um, that I think they say like Coakley had rented during that time, which was also like, don't bury him in your basement. But, you know, clearly he he was having a tough time at the time.
1: Yeah, he really was. The other part of this episode that is kind of interesting to me, and I think maybe is interesting when thinking about it being written by a woman, is that there is this whole storyline around... BJ being pregnant and not wanting to be pregnant. And I can't remember exactly, but I believe at one point she tells Tillman that she doesn't want the kid, but he does want the kid. And I don't know if she's specifically saying at this point that she wants to have an abortion or if she wants to give the child up for adoption. Um, But that is like an element of this, which is that BJ is pregnant and she doesn't want to be and maybe that's playing into what's going on with her psychologically.
0: Okay, so I read that scene completely differently. Um I read it the opposite where and I don't I don't know at this point which which uh way is correct, but we don't really get a whole lot of discussion about the pregnancy with um between BJ and the other detective. We just see there is a scene later, though, where he comes in and is he's like, you know, I'm willing to go to the appointment with you if you want. To me, that appointment was an abortion because she's like, I don't know that I want to do that anymore. And he's like, I thought we decided it'd be the best thing for both of us because I don't really see why he would want the kid at this point. Later, he like petitions to adopt the kid. But I assume that's just, you know, she's in prison and all of this is now probably out and in the news. I mean, we, we don't get into his personal life at all and the effects of that, but I don't, I read that that's original scene as him and her having maybe had agreed to get an abortion. And now she's like, I don't think that that's what I want to do um but I don't know maybe I read it incorrectly it just seemed like why would he want this kid
1: (laughs) yeah I guess it is kind of vague and when I first watched that first scene that you're talking about where they're having a discussion I think I also assumed that he he wanted her to have an abortion and she didn't want to have one it just doesn't make sense at the end that he would petition for the adoption of the child Um, if he didn't want the child originally and now you know after she has gone through all of this and and is in prison I don't I just don't see him choosing to petition to adopt the child if he didn't originally want it
0: yeah I guess it's just that like I don't know if maybe the option of abortion is now just completely off the table partially because originally she didn't want it and then partially just because she's in prison and they're like, we're not going to do that. We're not going to go through that process with you. Um, But I would think even if he didn't want the kid, if he's now like, okay, well, this woman is I don't know, seemingly insane and a serial killer and in prison for murder that if she's going to have this baby that is mine that he would I mean, I guess maybe he would just be like, give it up for adoption. But it seems like I could see him being like, well, she's not going to raise it. So I will. But I guess, you know, I guess I could see it either way.
1: Yeah, I guess it's pretty unclear. But I was thinking about the last scene of the episode where Scully is writing in her little diary of again. Very excitingly, we haven't seen her write in her diary for a long time. But she writes, as you've already said, that uh, BJ is on suicide watch because she self-attempted an abortion, which made me wonder whether abortions were available to uh, women who were in jail. And my initial feeling was probably not, just because... We don't really give prisoners health care at all. But I Googled it, and what I found was that technically, legally, yes, uh, prisoners are allowed to have abortions, but it's also based on state standards regarding abortions, which are pretty unclear. Um, Something that I read said most state abortion policies are written and approved without going through the administrative process which other policies are subject to. Thus, they are frequently incomplete. In fact, 14 state DOCs, so Department of Corrections, have no official written abortion policies, and others simply will not release or publish their policies, which means that whether prisoners get abortions or not is left up to the discretion of prison officials. which is really upsetting. And we're shown BJ wants to have an abortion, probably asked to have an abortion. And for whatever reason was not granted one, uh, which is upsetting.
0: It is upsetting um, though. I suppose it is not shocking. Uh, you know, of course everything's fucked up in the department of corrections and in um, prisons in general, but um It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's upsetting.
1: It's kind of another situation where the X-Files present something and they didn't go deep into it. They didn't tell us, you know, the prison is denying BJ an abortion. Although, I mean, it's obvious that she self-attempted and now she's on suicide watch. But it is an area where I'm kind of like surprised the X-Files even lightly touched on it.
0: You know, it's because they got a woman in, a woman in the writer's room in this episode. That's what I'm saying. See what happens. Beautiful. Groundbreaking, you know, cutting edge stuff here, really risky, really calling out the people I need to be called out that, you know, in a way that that men just won't
1: exactly it's interesting it's complex there aren't easy answers we love to see it
0: well we, we, we could always love it. to
1: see yeah we complain about it
0: for <laughs> 40 minutes but <laughs> but we do love to see it okay you know we're not doing this because we hate it here's the thing
1: I believe that a woman wrote the initial script and it had all the answers that we wanted and we taught and it you know delved into the things that we wanted to hear more about and then the male staff revised it and this is what we got
0: i think that that's the only logical explanation here um obviously the script was once perfect and one day we'll get our hands on that original copy but until that happens, you know, we will just continue to talk about Season 2. And um, next week, we have Episode 13, titled Irresistible. Scully and Mulder hunt down a fetishist who collects pieces of the dead. Okay. Okay, interesting, interesting.
1: Pieces. Fetishist, Interesting.
0: Is it sexual? Is it non-sexual? What pieces are they collecting? So much to find out.
1: That's really my question. Is it sexual? And I assume even if it's not, Mulder is going to make it sexual.
0: It just seems like typically fetish implies sexuality.
1: Yeah, I think in most cases it does.
0: So, you know, tune in next week to find out. And um, aliens, if you're out there, first of all, let us know if you were in that field with BJ. And um, second of all, please come get us because we're scared.